Your video is not on. I know. Keep myself <laughs> anonymous. Would you like to play a game? I love games. <laughs> oh my god, he's so mysterious. <laughs> my god, I love your voice. <laughs> uh, all right, cold open settled. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast for myself, Renee Sanchez. Who's got wine on my nose? Buddy, Max Lyon. What the fuck is up? Watch Rob Gobbs and then record our thoughts and place them on the internet for the tens and tens of listeners listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing after our little halftime break? I got wine up my nose. Two. That's how I'm fucking doing. I got wine up my goddamn <laughs> nose. This is what happens when we go, when we go back. When I try to recapture shit that we were doing two years ago, where I'm just pounding alcohol on these podcast episodes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, buddy, that bottle is empty. Uh, and yeah, it was, and it was opened before part one began. <laughs> um, no, it wasn't. No, I opened it for part one. <laughs> so then, <laughs> you saw me so, open it, didn't you? Don't you remember? I did. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I powered through a bottle of wine, just like the old days, and um, I feel no different. I'm completely sober, 100. percent No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's not fucking lovely. Way. Sober Max would not have fucking spit wine up his nose to start the episode. That's for sure. <laughs> fucking sure. Um, how the fuck are you doing? Now I'm choking on water. Oh my god. <coughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. I've been drinking water all podcast because you know I uh, I'm on a sober plane. Um, I I realized. While recording the uh, many episodes of this podcast, that although it's fun to do it inebriated, I usually am not as good of a host or as good of a <laughs> thought uh, or a thought provider while inebriated. <laughs> like, because then my thoughts are basically at half speed, and by the time I come up with my fully formed thought, the the point has already moved on to something else. That's very true. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so in order to stay on top of things and to get everything out and to provide a good conversation, I should be sober. Um, like, I don't get how, like, pe- like stand-up comedians or, like, other performers can, like, perform inebriated. Like, I don't get. They re- I, I think the only way they do it is by rehearsing. Like, they know it. They know it so well by heart. Or yeah. not even not even rehearsing, but they know the material well enough already. They've done it so much. Yeah. yeah. That, that. They're able to go out there and it, they just, it seems organic because yeah, it is organic in the moment. It's not like they're rehearsing the actual verbatim lines, but yeah, that's the only fucking way. That's the only fucking way I can imagine them doing that because well, my memory is a goddamn yeah. sieve when I'm inebriated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there were, 
like that's how the cast of Cheers would uh, film their like late season episodes. Like they had done so many episodes together and, you know, week after week, they'd do another episode and do another episode. And they used to do a rehearsal episode that wasn't recorded, but just like they rehearsed the dress rehearsal mm-hmm. and then they would do the live recording mm-hmm. of it. And so it got to the point that in order to make it a little more exciting for themselves, mm-hmm. no one would show up for the dress rehearsal and they would just show up for the live recording. And then the, and then also the cake, the taps were had live cakes. So there's actual like beer in those cakes. So like while they're Shit, like really resetting scenes and everything else like that, they're drinking beer. So like they're just getting progressively like drunker and drunker as they're like moving through these scenes. Because wow. because they're live seeds and like they're not necessarily drinking during the scenes. So they're you know, they're not supposed to be drinking as much, but right. they would have you know, they would have they'd be basically be drinking while performing these seeds for the first time since table read a week ago. So they're just like barely know their lines and they just kind of <laughs> just, you know, fly by the seat of their pants in front of a live audience and all the cameras filming this episode that needs to go out in two days or whatever the fuck. But that's how God. much they've done it to where they could just be like, eh, we're good, we're fine. So essentially we're right on the same par as Cheers. Yeah, exactly. I I am the modern day George Went, Renee Sanchez, <laughs> um, all the way down to being Jason Sudeikis' uncle. Um, <laughs> is he really? Uh, yes, in real Holy life, George Went is Jason Sudeikis' uncle. Yes, never knew that. That's how Jason Sudeikis broke into comedy. That makes sense. Yeah, he and Jason Sudeikis went to Second City. Got vouched for by George Went, a Second City alum, that you know he actually had the chops, and so then he went through the Second City things and made it to SNL and so on and so forth. So, you know what? I I feel bad that I don't know the answer to this. Qu- I think I know the answer to this question, but I I feel bad that I don't know for sure. For somebody who wanted to come here and write comedy, and who followed second city eh, i wouldn't say followed well you i mean like you understood it and you knew the importance of it eh, yeah ish. have you been to a second city show since you moved here uh not necessarily to a show but i've, ta- I've taken a class i took an improv class there right but you never yeah. you've never been to an actual show right because i haven't either and i find it no, weird I... That, I, that we have it like i feel yeah, Gabby pointed that out to me the other day. She was like, "What? How have you not been to a Second City show?" Because it's usually like twenty to thirty bucks <laughs> to watch people do improv. I don't know. Out of the several improv shows that I've been to, I I thought about it. I was like, I, I actually think it's kind of. I I never really considered it until now, but I think it's kind of weird that I haven't been to one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I've been to Zanies and Laugh Factory and I mean, but like the one that Chicago is known for. I guess Zanies, but 
I've just been to a bunch of open mics at different bars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and also, like, and I, and I've been to an open open mic in a classroom in Second City on a Saturday night. That's true. And done stand up in front of people. I went to yeah. stand up. That was a good. Oof, the, the stories I could tell of the people there the few weeks that I did that. Oh, uh, I bet. Yeah, there's a, a guy who, uh, who took. Um, I don't know if you remember Stephen A. Smith from um, ESPN. Yeah, from ESPN, and Stephen A. Smith had a line where he goes, you know. They need to lay off the weed. And he said said it like that. And it became a meme or whatever. There was this one guy who who came in and it looked like he was not all there mentally. And he kept, <laughs> and he kept saying that line as like a way to try to garner laughs. Ooh. And he was wearing a Chicago Bears jersey and he just talked about Chicago sports teams. And then... He would just say, you know, lay off the weed. And it was just like, it was as awkward as you would think. Oh. <laughs> like, and it's like, those were the people I was trying to, you know, craft bits around, you know, going to the hospital for a kidney infection and how it was easier for me to get fentanyl than it is for a woman to get <laughs> to get birth control and Planned Parenthood in this country. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you know, slightly different <laughs> league of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Nonetheless, we're here to talk about Rob Cobbs and specifically our podcast, "Romancing the Snow," which is what you're listening to. <laughs> this is the second part. If you haven't listened to the first part of our hundredth episode, spectacular. Strongly urge that you do. The fuck you uh, do? Yeah. We kind of gave a general overview of how we feel about rom-coms presently. And then we de decided to start off our spectacular by talking about our least favorite rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about what we liked about rom-coms and then why those least favorite rom-coms didn't meet our standard. And it got <laughs> real heated by the end of the episode. It got real, real. Our voices... Continued to raise. Throughout. <laughs> Not real, real. Um, but here in this second episode, uh, it's going to be more about the praise. Praising our favorite rom-coms that we've watched so far. Ooh. And, you know, and, and so on and so forth. As Max gets that second bottle open. Yeah, buddy. Do it to it, homie. What? I mean, <laughs> what was... You only have 100th episode, motherfucker. Exactly. What's funny is that Max brought both bottles over at, before episode, <laughs> the first part, and he asked, you know, which, or help me choose which <laughs> bottle to drink here. And it was, <laughs> and the real question, what he really meant was, help me choose which bottle to drink. First. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, isn't that isn't that always the choice? It's like help me prioritize which one I'm actually going to care about because that's the one I need to drink first. And then after that, I'm going to be intoxicated and not give a shit, so I won't care what the next bottle is. 
Agreed. But I mentioned, you know, as as you open up that bottle, I I mentioned Jason Sudeikis, Jason and he actually Sudeikis. he is the leading man in one of the movies that we watched so far in our at the in this podcast, and he was also a supporting character in another one as well, although I forget what exact one. <sighs> Okay, but it's time for Max to take to Google. Uh, I've oh, what, he, was, what, he was the supporting character in um, what happens in Vegas. That's it. I was gonna say um, yes. He was the one who was in, who was engaged to Cameron Diaz. Yep. Yep. Yes. 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 Anyway. Um. Anyway. So. Nonetheless, I, my segue was going to be: What is is? Let's start with actor. Is there a favorite acting mm. or, or male actor performance of the mm. movies that we've watched so far? That one that stands out to you? Hmm, that's a good question. One that I wish I had prepared for. Um. And- and initially, the idea for this hundredth episode spectacular, I uh, I was going to derive in influence from uh, the show, the podcast. How did this get made? Where they did, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, a three year like podcast spectacular where they made these fake awards, and then they gave awards like best performance here, best performance there, but then right, they did it kind of right. in a jerky manner. And so I was like, well, we should do awards for the show. And then Max kind of was like, ah, I don't know about that. And it's so and I work. was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, I get it. It, it does. Yeah. But it, this is my way of still implementing it a little bit. No, this the is good. Because this is, this creates discussion and this is the whole point. But it's exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm a sucker for Ashton Kutcher as the lead. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, you are. Uh, I don't. I don't know why. I think he's just. Well, whatever. We'll get into that because one of the one of the movies I'm going to bring up later is is going to be involving him. So that's a little teaser. Yeah. Um, but I would even with how much of a sucker I am for him, off the top of my head, without thinking even too deeply about it knee-jerk reaction says honestly Paul Bettany wow Paul Bettany in Wimbledon dude legit blew me away like for me I was legitimately surprised and impressed at the amount of depth he gave that character and the amount of relatability he gave that character. Yeah. I personally loved watching that character. And I, I, he, for me, that character made the movie for me. Like that was a very relatable and deep character. 
And it was nice to see a, a male role represented in that way. Something that I actually related to in terms of like emotional depth, uh, vulnerability, um, having your guards up, um, all of that, every level of falling in love, the whole process. It was nice to see that actually brought out in a, a male lead that was real, not your stereotypical male, not your, you know, polished, perfect James Bond, suave fucking male that, oh, just happens to have a couple bumbling goofball things about him that make him slightly more lovable and cuddly of a character than a normal James Bond would be. There's a lot of rom-coms that do that, that paint the perfect male lead. And I fucking hate it because it's like, no one's like that. Like what guy is like any guy who actually is like that is stupid. Like any guy who's like that is, is fake as fuck. I'm sorry, but stop it. Like be vulnerable, be emotional, be a dumbass, be a goofball, be whatever the fuck you are, but just be it. And I don't know why, but that character brought out all those emotions in me. And for that, I appreciate it. Then that's Ash and Kutcher, no strings attached. <laughs> no, that's Wimbledon. Oh. <laughs> Fuck, I totally forgot you told us that Paul Bunny is. I'm sorry. I was doing research on my choices. I was doing research on my choice, and then I forgot that you had said Paul <laughs> Bettany and Wimbledon. And, and because I was doing research on mine, I literally half heard everything you said. I'm sure when I listen back to this episode, it's going to be eloquent and beautiful. I'm going to agree with most of it. <laughs> This is, this, I'm so this sorry. Is, this is solid gold shit you don't get in any other podcast, man. I'm so sorry. Don't worry about it. This is the um, whole... <laughs> this is... I, I mean, uh, what the uh, fuck, but still. I know. I, it's just rude for me to not be, like, giving you 100% of my attention. But I was waxing poetic, man. I know you were. I was born but... a full Renee Sanchez. <laughs> but speaking of inebriated... Yes. And speaking of... Which I very much am. Yeah. And speaking of superlatives. Superlatives. You know, as I'm saying, you know, favorite and best, uh, you know, acting performance. My favorite acting performance of all the films that we've watched is uh, by a guy who actually won Best Actor at the Academy Awards for his performance in this film. All the way back in 1940. I was going to say Gregory Peck. Nope. No, not Gregory Peck. <laughs> not for not Gregory Peck for Roman Holiday, which was a no, good film, though. It was a good film, but we talked about there were a couple of things. And I was like, no. I... No. Uh, it's a man by the name of, uh, of, of James Stewart. Oh, 
and Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Sam has it. <laughs> I don't have it. I just I love how they always make fun of his voice. It's like <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, y'all building and loan. <laughs> uh but james stewart is what he went by for this film good old jimmy stewart in the philadelphia story jimmy fucking stewart oh yeah his whole fucking speech about how much he loved her at the well, end that whole speech on top like when he was drunk as hell with katherine hepburn who also decided to get drunk because her dad came back yeah. and then basically her dad was like blaming her for his philandering because he's a fuck boy. And so then she decides, well, fuck everyone. I'm drinking. And she gets shit faced. Absolutely. (laughs) Completely understandable choice. Yeah. And then Jimmy Stewart decided to continue to drink as well. And so he's drunk. (laughs) Also understandable. Yeah. There's the scene where he goes over to, uh, Gary Grant's, um, house see dexter haven and he's got the bottle of champagne with him and he's got the hiccups (laughs) (laughs) like that whole scene that he has a carrie grant carrie grant can't keep a straight face the whole time they're performing together that's true because he is because he's playing drunk so perfectly well in that scene oh my god that is just like everything he does in that fucking role in that film is hilarious. I mean, just, Jimmy Stewart is phenomenal. Like exactly. I know, we, I know we talked, we must have, I don't know exactly what we talked about, but I know we talked about Jimmy Stewart in that episode being a fantastic actor. Yes. Cause like, dude, it's a wonderful life without Jimmy Stewart. Just imagine that for a second. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. It's not even remotely the same movie. Nope. Um, half the fucking um, Hitchcock movies that have Jimmy Stewart mm-hmm. in them. Yep. Not even remotely the same movies without Jimmy Stewart. It's fucking Vertigo. You think you could cast someone else being a stalker and being afraid of heights at the same goddamn time besides Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> Yeah. And being a protagonist, like, what the fuck? Being the protagonist in It's a Wonderful Life, for that matter. Like, the dude is literally losing his fucking mind. Like, he is going through a massive depressive episode. Losing his entire fucking mental state. To the point that he is 99.9% convinced he is about to commit suicide. Despite having a family and a wife at home that would miss him, despite having all of these people, of course, that's the point of the movie, but like, and he is absolutely 100% convincing of that in one scene only. I know we're not reviewing It's a Wonderful Life, but this, this bears importance on him as, a, as an actor. One fucking scene. You've seen It's a Wonderful Life, right? No. Oh, shit. You had never seen it? I've seen like I, I've seen bits and pieces, but I I don't. Oh, okay. I haven't seen the whole thing. Damn. Okay. Well, have you ever seen the scene where he is on the bridge and it's snowing and he's looking out over the river and he's about to and jump he's thinking in? Thinking about jumping. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah. He doesn't say a single word in part of that scene. He just looks around, looks out into the water. And all you see after that is the camera immediately changes angles and it's just on his face. And he's got this intensely crazed look in his eyes. Like he's, it is like, he's somehow able to portray every emotion at once without speaking a fucking word. Mm -hmm. That's the old school kind of acting that I, when, when you have introduced me to these types of old school movies and I keep calling them old school and I feel like that's derogatory, but you know what I mean? The older films, when you've introduced me to those, it's made me appreciate that aspect of them in terms of the acting. That sometimes the acting is just in a different fucking plane of existence than the kind of acting we get today in rom-coms. It's not better or worse. It's just completely different. Like these actors were able to encapsulate emotions in a completely different way. It's a different level of commitment to the choices that are being made in the film, which we talked about in the first part of this two-part 100th episode spectacular. Yes, Jimmy Stewart in the Philadelphia story, that is my favorite acting performance. Yeah, I'm, Although, obviously, it's, like, a good, it, it's a good choice if it made me the one that did all the fucking talking about it. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. But great choice. <laughs> You're good, buddy. Um, <laughs> one, one last thing I'll say about it is that Cary Grant is the protagonist of the film who ends up with the girl, and he's like the main, supposed to be the main guy. And yet, who was best actor at the Academy Awards? James Stewart. That's how good that performance was. So, yes. you goddamn right. Um, and, um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, then also, um, honorable mention to a performance, which I'll probably end up talking about a little more, a little later, uh, but honorable mention to Steve Carell in Dan in real life. Of course. Of course. I goddamn love his performance in that film so much. He makes me feel so many things with just his looks and he, I, I just, you, we'll talk about that. We'll no, talk about, I, talk about it now. Yeah. Well, the reason we'll talk about it later is because when we start talking about our top five movies, data real life may or may not be in my top five. Ah, uh, so, okay. 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 So we'll, we'll, we'll dive into it. Is something um, borrowed on your top five? No, but it wasn't in my bottom five somehow either. <laughs> we talked about that in the first part of this two-part series. Honestly, I don't know how that wasn't in our bot- either of our bottom fives. Now that I look at it, like I, it's the John Krasinski for me. Yeah, yeah. John Krasinski yeah. saved a little bit. He did. He did. He really did. The part where he finally gets fed up and he and he's about and like in uh, when they're playing badminton. And he's like, yeah, let's start telling secrets. Like, let's <laughs> every, every point is tell a fucking secret. And 
And then basically he gets hit in the nose by Jennifer Goodwin, but yet she's mad at him because she's a dumb broad. Anyway. Speaking of, uh, let's, let's, I'd like to, I'd like to volunteer that the opposite of Jimmy Stewart as an actor is Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> and then, done and done. It has been decided. <laughs> she elicits one emotion and one emotion only from me as an audience member. Every time it's consistent hatred. It's just annoyance. Uh yeah. Yeah. And I... So you have a prompt for me, Max. Oh, for What's your question? Sake. We're just, just <laughs> not even. Come on. You bitch. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> That's what this podcast is. Come on. I don't tell you that enough. You know that? I tell everyone else I love them. I don't tell you enough. I fucking love you, dude. You're a good friend. And and when I talk I about too, buddy. when I talk about you in third person when you're not around and the shit that I tell that I, I talk shit about you when you're not listening, I always talk about you as the friend of mine from college that came out to Chicago with me. That several years later I had a good friend from college follow me out to the Midwest. And I was lucky enough to have that. And I want you to fucking know that. Well, you're welcome, buddy. <laughs> because Chicago is the too. shit. Exactly. Chicago is the shit. And my sister, Rebecca agrees. And she's been, she's been looking out for jobs out here too. So she might be following along. Fucking Monica so, agreed when she her, came out here. Monica too, and Monica's yeah. She she's like she said like it'd be cool if like somehow we could get like a three story house where we all live on one story. <laughs> like my two sisters and myself. I'm like I'd be fucking down. That'd be dope as hell. A three story like random like house. In the Dude, you could you could legitimately get a yeah. You get a brownstone. Get a fucking walker. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. I'd be so fucking jealous. I know, but yeah. Anyway, what's your prompt? Ah, okay. I was gonna wait and initiate it during some sort of, I don't know, segue to a deeper emotional discussion, but I wanted to just do it. I wanted to bring up. I wanted to ask you because I know of the. I won't even preface it. Uh, yeah, after this prompt, we'll talk about our favorite female performances, by the way. We have not forgotten the ladies. Anyway, Hell continue. No. Um, Except Jennifer Godwin. She's, she always gets forgotten because she should be. Anyway, continue. Jennifer Goodwin. <laughs> Jennifer Goodwin. Godwin, Goodwin, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not even pronouncing her name right anymore because it's, well, not, no, it's there's not even a worth wide, it. There's a wide receiver in the NFL named Chris Godwin. So that's how I say it now because it's got one O instead of two. <laughs> Fuck off. Whatever. <laughs> Prompt. I think Jennifer Goodwin has spelled the two O's. I know. Okay. <laughs> I just put like Goodwin or Godwin. Like I just, I pronounce it like it, it's got all the same letters. So I go Godwin. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I got you. I got you. Got you. 
my prompt was knowing the context, the, 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 the subtext context of why we created this podcast and the importance of rom-coms. Mm-hmm. The one other thing I actually wanted to ask you seriously, friend to friend. Yeah. After a hundred episodes, what has this meant in the context of 99 rom-coms watched and how they relate to the experiences you had with your mom? Hmm. Yes. Um, well, you know, as far as a lot of the the choices, especially earlier in the po- in the podcast's history, because um, we were just going off, there wasn't necessarily if we stumbled upon a theme, we'd follow that theme and just go with it. Um, but if we didn't really have a theme, we we're just choosing randomly. We would usually just choose a rom com that we knew and that we may wanted to may have wanted to revisit or something that we've seen a bunch we knew we liked but we wanted to discuss it on a podcast so we're like let's watch it and talk about it right um so a lot of the early podcast history was shared history with my mom and myself and and that's exactly what and creating a new shared history with you uh by watching those movies again uh, that's exactly why I wrote down that prompt was going back through all of those cold opens. Yeah. In order too, from one to 99 in that order. Yeah. It reminded yeah. me, it gave me little snippets of, to remind me of two years ago, why we started doing this in the first place, where our heads were at, where our mental states were at, where we were at mm-hmm. as people. And it reminded me that early on, yeah, that was, that was part of the driving force behind some of our decisions behind your decision was your mom. Yeah. And, you know, and as, as we've progressed, you know, it's, it's been nice to have a a spot to continue those conversations because, um, you know, I still talk to my sister Monica about, uh, you know, films or, uh, you know, in in our case, it's usually about shows. Um, she and I will still talk about New Girl to this day uh, and about what we love about New Girl. Um, and uh, we, you know, we've talked about the HBO Max series Love Life, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, finished up the second season, uh, you know, and other series you know of that that sort of ilk and she and i will you know have discussions about it but as far as rom-coms are concerned you know this is the outlet that you know i have for talking about those movies um and just having an outlet to talk about movies like this uh is really cool um you know we're and it's a lot easier than like writing it putting in a blog and then like having to like share share the blog or like find a way to like put the blog out there so it doesn't feel like i'm just writing it for myself yeah or now now that i'm like talking to you it's at least what other person knows but even though we know we got tens and tens of listeners that you know knowing one other person knows right is 
is so uh, you know it's kind it, of a relief, right? Like it, yes, it helps. Yeah, it's it, you know, and it's just a. Uh, it's so. A, so why is that so fucking hard for us to admit to ourselves? <laughs> like, <laughs> as far as what's hard to admit to to open up to someone else. I mean, and and admit that like, oh right, it it actually feels better and less stressful when I share these things with other people that I trust. I think we forget. Yeah. I think we. It's easy for for you and I, at least, or at least for me, to forget that uh, maybe I'm projecting that um, that it's it's yeah. better to open up about that stuff sometimes. Yeah, I I see what you what you mean there and it's you know there's i mean that's a that's a whole that's a whole that's a whole therapy that, you yeah. know that's all that's that's multiple therapy sessions for Absolutely. whomever and it's a, okay. and it's a case by case it's a case by case basis for, for right. a lot of people but i think it basically breaks down to the fact that um you know every it seems like a very common denominator that uh, our generation of Absolutely. the human race, regardless of male or female or, you know, whatever gender identity, you know, so on and so forth, uh, whatever the case may be, that there's a lot of self-loathing within our generation um, for whatever reason. Uh, for a know, lot of reasons. The, the rise the rise of social media, the mm. rise of hearing more opinions than them and they're being faceless as opposed to, you know, people having to have the, you know, the, I guess the balls to be mean to your face, which was in and of itself its own problem in previous generations. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, not to mention know, the, this, the instantaneous filtered version of reality we we see from everyone else around us from our peers exactly our and, and having from... and immediately being put into competition with each other and yep. then also feeling like we're not living up to yep. and so on and so forth and uh, so that all feed so it feeds into this uh lesser than opinion that people hold themselves to and so then when it comes to being vulnerable to, with someone and everything else there's this whole you know, holding yourself back and feeling not worthy of, you know, someone's positive opinion or love, basically. Mm. Um, and, you know, and basically everyone, I actually, I listened to yesterday to the latest episode of 60 Songs That Explain the 90s, which is a fantastic podcast. I think I've mm. mentioned it before. Fantastic podcast uh, that's by Rob Harvilla of The Ringer. And uh, he, it's a Spotify ex exclusive podcast. And uh, the song he did this week was creep by Radiohead. Mm. He, you know, fantastic song, mm -hmm. but uh, there's a part like the first half is him kind of doing this, like almost like self personal essay part. Like it's a half hour of him just kind of talking about the song and what it means in the context of the nineties and to him personally and things like that. And then in the second half, he has an interview with like a prominent music writer like him. And then they talk about the significance of the song and the band and so on and so forth. And in that second part, they talked about how this uh, prominent writer had brought up Radiohead's performance of Creep at the MTV Beach House. 
and how out of place Radiohead looked because <laughs> like MTV, the MTV Beach House was a bunch of young co-eds in like bathing suits in a pool, like just like hanging out and like whatever the hell. I don't understand the fucking problem with that issue or with that image. Well, the fact that Radiohead were basically like goths from England who uh, were wearing like long sleeves and pants in this hot weather with all these kidsly clad co-heads. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Well, that's what and happens when you get a bunch of fucking UKers coming over. <laughs> well, and so I and then, there's well, there's a question that Rob had brought up in in this like discussion of it, where they talked about how out of place they looked and how it was funny and all that. But he brought up this question of, you know, why why do like rock stars like this and you know like especially like emo rock stars that they were they had creep and they were like constantly looked up to and they hated playing the song. And they refused to play the song. And they just had this, you know, shunned, like, opinion, like, they'd rather be anywhere else sort of thing. And it was, and he asked this question of why do, you know, rock stars choose that path? Like, mm. you know, sort of thing. And, and like, basically, the writer, the writer that he asked that question to went a whole different route. I personally was like yelling at my speaker. Did you not listen to the fucking song creep? Yeah. Like that's what I've been wondering this whole time that we're talking about it. Like, like, and it's just like, and there was something that he even mentioned in the first half of the episode that he like, you know, being a teenager at the time that song came out, it fed into his like whole like self-loathing, you know, aspect of like who he was as a, you know, teenage music listener and everything right. else and so on and so forth. And it's just like, like that is why they're uncomfortable being rock stars because they, they created music and they create to, in order to put out this content, put out this, like, I hate saying content, but that's like the word uh, yeah. du jour in the current times, but like put it out to the world that I like I have these feelings, I have these words, I have what like all of this in me, and I need to get it out because that is what people do. That is supposedly right. the healthy right. way of going exactly just sharing this out so I don't feel alone. Right. And I'm and I don't want to feel alone because I would like to feel love because I don't love myself. Yep. And then when other people shower that love on you, you're like, you don't love yourself, so you don't you don't accept the love from others because you're like well i mean what do you know i know best and i'm not and so that's so you know that's literally why we started this this podcast right like going back and listening to some of the earlier episodes like we admit that that we were in states of our lives where we needed to we needed an excuse to talk about deeper things yeah, it wasn't anything in particular or specific. It was just the, to we talk were, about things on a deeper level. On a deeper level, from a, a a more comedic standpoint. Yes. In the context of comedy. 
so yeah. that we were still at least presenting it in a way that was listenable and yes. digestible. Yeah. I think and that right there, actually, like, I don't mean to be biased towards our podcast, of course, but <laughs> I think right there, actually, in itself, kind of sums up our generation. Maybe, and mm -hmm. that's maybe that's millennial bias. I don't know, but I would say, from what I've seen from my peers now through 34 years, I would say that's a common element as that you're hitting on. Like, we need it's to talk about cycle. this shit. Yeah. It's a vicious cycle that constantly progresses of just like, you know, uh, why or why doesn't anyone love me? I just want to be loved. I feel so alone. Oh, let me put something out there to try to draw someone in and to, you know, be there with me, be by my side, show me this love. And yeah. someone decide and someone actually gets out of their comfort zone to be like, hey. Uh, you know, you are, you are great. I love you. Well, and, and look at the, and look at the rom-coms we've given credit to like that, mm -hmm. that have leads yeah. that do that, that what do we always say? The leads that grow, the characters that grow, the characters yes. that show depth, emotion, vulnerability, growth, all of those things. I mean, that's the general that's the like that is the formulaic when they say rom-coms are formulaic and they follow the same formula and everything else that is the formula in that a character is initially guarded someone comes over and shows them a world when they let their guard down that world is beautiful and then but then something happens to where they have to come up with a the, where they have to make a split decision on how to react to it. And so they go back to their old ways and immediately put their guard back up. That in turn sends the person away. Then they realize me with my guard up is not as good as me with my guard down with that person. And then they have to go back and get them and put their guard down. And that's how, that's the lesson they learn and then roll the credits for happily ever after. And that is the formula. And what does that inevitably signal towards? They let their guard down. Someone comes in, shows them the, uh, a new a new perception of reality, a new version of life, a new way to live and experience yeah. the world. And then something or someone convinces them to close back up. And what's the lesson? Every time they have to be the one to let their guards back down. They yes. have to be the one going back to your original point in the first fucking part of this this episode, they have to make the choice. They have to make the choice to be vulnerable. But because we're fucking human, you can't expect yourself to make that choice all on your goddamn own. Okay? That's the lie that's been per, per fucking... What's the word? Help me out. <laughs> that's, that's been... That, that's been shared. That's been... Uh, uh, it starts with a P, doesn't it? Uh, per, uh, uh, that's no. the propaganda. Propaganda. It's been promoted, perpetuated, perpetuated, perpetuated. That's right, right? Perpetuated, perpetuated. Yes. yes, that's the fucking lie that's been perpetuated for generations of humanity. No yes. one is to blame. It's a human fucking trait. I'm convinced. It's just 
born into our goddamn DNA as a species. Yep. And now there's therapy. And now there's or therapy. Thirty somethings. Or podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, and as, as it know. was for us two years ago when we couldn't afford afford therapy. <laughs> exactly. And you know, along those lines that I've mentioned, uh, you know the the formula where someone lets their guard down, sees a new world, then puts their guard up, loses that view of the new world, and then has to learn to put their guard down. It's usually the female performance that is the one who is putting their guard down. That's very and, true. You know, and, and so on and so forth. So speaking of female performances, let's go back to best female performance from the movies that we've seen so far. So you know what? I, I'll go first because you went first last time for you the male performance. So I'll go first. Uh, I will give an honorable mention to Maya Erskine. I think that's how you say her name. Uh, but the female lead from Plus One, do you remember that movie? Of the friends who decided to go no. on all the, go to all the weddings together. Oh, vaguely. Um, and then they end up like doing it in a graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> And then they get together, and then they break up, and then they get back together at the very end. Oh, but yeah. The one who was like, who didn't want to be a best man to his dad's yeah. wedding. And, yeah. I yeah. liked her performance a whole lot in that film. And mostly just because she was foul mouth. <laughs> I mean, that usually <laughs> wins it over for us. Yeah. Um, and then shout out to Meg Ryan in the original, you know, When Harry Met Sally. Of course. That's also. The OG. A, yeah, that that is also quite the performance just for the, the deli scene alone. But I was going to say the orgasm movie. scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, all of that. But as far as my favorite female performance it's it, it's a it's a personal choice. I'm not necessarily saying that it is like the most Oscar worthy performance. So like, I, I mean, Jimmy I, Stewart, I, I feel like e yeah. any either of these choices are our own personal. Like, well, yeah, even yeah. The male I, lead I, I, was, I was was reminiscent well, of who we are as people. So I, but at the same time, with the Jimmy Stewart performance, like that I mentioned, that won an Academy Award. Like that is like a universal choice True. that everyone can kind of point to and say, yeah, that's really fucking good. And with this choice I'm about to put down, there's going to be a section of the audience. that's just like, wait, what for real though. <laughs> and that choice is Salma Hayek and fool's Russian. That's I was waiting for you to say Salma. Hayek. Dog, like... dog, I have never like, there is not, there is not a single female performance that we've watched in all the movies that we've watched. Not even Martine McCutcheon and Love Actually, who we both love to death. Hmm. Not any performance hmm. that I felt like that's my wife. I want her as my wife hmm. today. Hmm. Salma Hayek in Fools Rush In. Hmm. I was I was I had I was ring shopping. Mm -hmm. By the end of that film, mm -hmm. I wanted her to be my wife by the mm -hmm. end of that film. 
that, that so Salma Hayek in full Russian. That I even though, understand. Even though she lied about miscarrying the baby and was willing to... That t- was <laughs> a little dark. <laughs> that was a little much. That was a little much, right? That was a little much. But hey, hey, That's she's a Latina. She's a Latina. There's a lot of passion behind that. Jesus. I get it. Hey, as, as a Latino... Or you know, well, let's say Latinx, Latinx. You know, let's go, let's go that route as a Latinx. You know, what's Latinx? I understand that is the uh, gender neutral modern term for Latinos. Oh. Okay, I honestly had never heard that, so that's actually good to know. Yeah, so you might see Latinx instead of an O or an A. I actually kind of um, like that. I like that better. Yeah, and then I don't know necessarily how to pronounce it, so I just go Latinx. You know, whatever. Fuck it. But I'd, a Latinx, it's yeah, easy, I'd, easy yeah, enough. Yeah. Anyway, so I yeah, need like, I okay. There's a few things in that character that I. Uh, I'm so hesitant to say this. Her dancing while making salad. I, Dog, there's a gif of it, and it's the best gif in the history of gifs. It's a gift of a gif. <laughs> anyway, what is your favorite female performance? Um, well, now I can't get Salma Hayek out of my head. Um, <laughs> it's not a bad problem. That's not, not a bad spot to be in. Not a bad spot to be in whatsoever. Um, I think my favorite female lead has got to be Jennifer Lopez. You're not going to say in what? Just in general. <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction. Yeah, I, I knew right away. It was just like you, you dumbass horn dog. Um, but I mean, some I, I wanted performance, I, her performance as that character. I was like, like just everything about her, even like the whole fate and everything else. It was just like. I know that woman. <laughs> like it just it was like I I know that culture. I know that woman. I know everything about her family. I just everything felt like home to me. Because then that's my extended family. Maybe that's you need to move to Pilsen, that... man. Like maybe you need to go move to <laughs> the think, other side of the city and hey, find your woman. Hey, I hey, I've been to Pilsen Fest in, in the summer and I've you know it, it's a good time. So I mean we both need to move soon, I think. <laughs> anyway. Um, so. I would say, to start off, I got to throw a shout out and an honorable mention to Sandra Bullock. Honestly, yeah, in any fucking movie, the proposal, <laughs> Miss Congeniality, I love her to goddamn death. I always have. She's just cute and adorable, and she always plays an endearing, relatable and I would say normal person if it wasn't for all about Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even then, she's charismatic enough and convincing enough that I'm I can get on board and excuse her performance in that movie. But um anyway, shout out to her. Um in terms of an Actual number one female lead. Fuck. I, <laughs> I honestly don't know. 
Um, I mean, you know my love affair with with Jennifer Aniston and Jennifer Garner. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that I actually do have a perfect, like, number one female lead. Out of 99 fucking episodes, you would think, by now, I would be able to at least pick one and at least, you know, whittle it down and say, well, not all of this character, but 90% of this character. That's it. Well, I'm surprised at you. Why? What because have I missed? If you were, if you're unsure, I, then I figured you, I, I, if I you figured, go with Rachel McAdams from Wedding Crashers. I it's mean, your, it's a, the, that's just the baseline. It's I a mean, baseline choice. You're not wrong. It's a solid choice. I'm mad that I I didn't mention it in my honorable mention, but that is the baseline you, choice. That is the, that is a high floor, low ceiling. Like if you draft her, you know, you're going to get 15 points a game, but you may not get 25 <laughs> a game, but you're getting 15 a game in basketball terms. You know, for sure she's going to produce. But that's a solid choice there. And if you don't know what else to choose, just choose the solid choice because you know you're going to be okay you know, with it. I was a little hesitant to admit it simply because that's who I would have chosen when I was 21 years Younger. old. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet still to this day, there's a part of me, whether it's the youth left over in me that's nostalgic or whether it's present day Max, just actually viewing it in a new perspective. Regardless, the fact does remain that Rachel McAdams from Wedding Crashers, something about her. Yeah. Still to this goddamn day. Yeah. And you're fucking right. You're really goddamn right. If I really can't choose a, a runaway number one, then that's. That's as good a choice as any. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh so my we'll god, that fucking that fucking football scene. Yep, I still like burned into my brain is her smiling, or the spark scene. Oh, the Obviously. hallway sneaking yeah, down to each other's. Scene. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, <laughs> he knocked over the mic. <laughs> Moved your camera. Whoa. Yeah, so that's your number one. That's my number one. <laughs> Still to this goddamn day, apparently, is Rachel McAdams. It moved my monitor. Jesus. It moved my camera. It moved my mic. Goodness. So with that said, I think it's time. It's time for the big Is it that time? Of our top five movies. I think we should do it just like we did with the least favorite movies. Where we just choose, just five, choose five and then put it in the list okay, afterward. Okay. Okay. I like and that. And so like that. I'll, I'll leave it up to you if you want to go first again or if you want me to go first. This go time. first. Go first. I went first last time. All right. So first, I mentioned him at the beginning of the podcast on a whim. And it's definitely not going to be one that you choose, I don't think. Steve Carell? No. 
Jason Sudeikis. Oh, right, right, right. Jason Sudeikis. And Allison Brie. Oh, and Jason yeah. Manzukis and Andrea Savage in the movie Sleeping with Other People. I love that film. I've seen it so many times. I think that it's a fantastic film about people who uh, just people who have to learn how to be vulnerable and and basically had chosen unhealthy ways of being vulnerable initially yeah um or at least unhealthy ways of being guarded one use someone else's presence uh to unhealthily while another uh just <laughs> basically used any way to hurt someone else in order to get out of the situation mm. that they felt mm. that they were trapped in. Um, I just, and that uh, just everything about it. I love that film. That's in my top five. Respectable. Respectable. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, this is the one that I was actually prepared for. So I've jotted down a few. Okay. Um, I jotted down six and, um, Oh, I it oh, okay. It's never mind. It's easy. Um, I know which one of them is not in the top five. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna start off easy, and I'm gonna say the one the blast from my past. As much as I would love to consider Wedding Crashers, for example, because don't get me wrong, Wedding Crashers is a phenomenal film. Mm-hmm. In all of the worst ways, it's amazing. I still laugh at it to this day. I, I it's one of those movies I never want to grow out of, but I also do want to grow out of. It it's it just is. It's wedding crashers. Yeah. Unless it was yeah. part of you, and unless it was a part of your upbringing, it's probably not going to land the same way. But it doesn't make the top five. What does make the top five for me? <sighs> just friends. <laughs> this does not surprise me i love that fucking movie oh <laughs> uh, ryan reynolds is at his goddamn peak and it's a peak that i feel I like your man crushes uh, like i i would go gay for him in all of the right ways like i would just <laughs> I would start off with a very warm embrace. It would just be, it would be a slow journey into the relationship for us. Max, 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 Max. What? <laughs> nope. What does he say? Oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. You stupid dick. <laughs> The way he stupid dick. Oh my god, how did I forget? How did I forget that as an honorable mention? Anna Ferris and Jess Friends for female oh, performance yeah. is, a, is a top-notch honorable mention. Not as a female lead, like not as someone I would actually root well, for in yeah, a relationship. I mean, she's a supporting character, which is why she was kind of right. like forgotten. But yeah, still. Yes. Seriously, best Anna Ferris role. Of all time, like the oh, yeah. any part she's Without ever done, she Without was absolutely phenomenal in that role. Yes. <laughs> so, 
so just friends just is on friends. the top five. Just friends on understandable. Five. Uh, my next one, you did mention Steve Carell. It is on my top five because I said we we're going to talk about it later. Dan in real life. Dan that in real is, life. It's not it, it, like it's a family reunion, and it looks like it's set in the autumn. So it's like, but it's, it's but it's not a Thanksgiving movie. But I watch it every Thanksgiving. Because it has that holiday feel to it. Well, yeah, because it's got the family drama. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a fanta- but it's got a tremendous performance. I have with Steve Carell. Another great female performance by the female lead, Julia Binoche. Um Wait, isn't it Thanksgiving? Why are they home? No. Uh, I mean, that's they say that that's the only time that they can all get together. The whole entire extended it's family. just an arbitrary time, though. Yes, yeah. I thought it was Thanksgiving too, actually. Yeah, no. There's no, there, there's no like holiday meal. It's just they spend like a few days together huh. at the house. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and they and they take him out of school, and like that's the whole argument that the middle daughter gives is like, but shouldn't I be in school, like my studies and all that? And it's because she wants to hang out with her boyfriend. Uh, and that, um, and don't worry when it comes to be having sex, he's the one who wants to wait. <laughs> what about that is supposed to make me feel better? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a uh, tremendous, tremendous performance. And honestly, maybe my favorite meet cute slash first scene between two oh, the leads in the bookstore. Like that's top notch just top notch top notch top notch i love that movie i'm in real life in my top five i'm remembering the highlight for me was the shower scene <laughs> where you see some side boob because you're a whore, you're drunk and you're a horned duck no that's not ex- at all where i was going well I, that's what i think of when i think of the side <laughs> shower scene. i think of the side boob anyway carry on i was just going with the the the, the psychological like yeah. the discussion that they had during that scene. I mean, the side yeah, boob is a very good bonus. Yeah. The discussion they have before he ends up, or she, he ends up having to jump in the shower while he's in there. Yes. Um, and then, and yeah, then the, and then the, 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 the chaos that ensues. The proximity. That. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the actual, like the whole lead up to it where they're having an actual legitimate, vulnerable, real conversation. And then it leads into, uh, of course, what a good rom-com does is it takes a topic like that that's serious and heavy mm-hmm. and it adds the calm back in and it makes a comedic yes. moment out of it. Because uh, actually, as funny as that is in movies, that shit actually does happen in real life. Because you could be actually that vulnerable finally when you for 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 a generation or for any generation that is that closed up to finally get to a point with another human being that you are even remotely showing an ounce of vulnerability with that's beyond terrifying sometimes and what end up what ends up inevitably happening more often than not, some stupid ass <laughs> shit of life comes along <laughs> and just fucks that moment over 
and reminds you, all right, your feelings are valid, but you're not the only thing in the whole universe. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, wrap this shit up. <laughs> Speak your mind or be gone, bitch. Well, uh, what's your next choice? Uh, what are we up to? We're up to the fourth. I think it's your second choice because I've chosen two. You've chosen two? Okay. Is my second choice? Yeah, I chose Dan in real life and I've chosen Mm. sleeping with other people. Mm. Mm. Um, well, I'm going to go with my other amazing personal favorite that when I first watched it, I didn't think it would actually stand the test of time and and be a movie that I actually enjoyed through multiple eras of my life. And that is Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman in No Strings Attached. I knew that'd be in your top five. I, I still love that movie. I love it because I can respect it from the point of view that I'm at now. And I can acknowledge certain things about it as being from a, a prior period of my life. And I can look back on it and reminisce on those periods with perspective and say, this is what I do like about them. This is what I don't like about them. These are the things I want to keep repeating in relationships. These are the things I don't want to keep repeating in relationships. For me, the movie that reminds me of that is No Strings Attached. It brings out all of the raw early 20s types of emotions while at the same time giving me a little bit of extra perspective beyond just those emotions and and reminding me what's truly important and what's not important in both life and relationships. I Maybe that's me giving it a little too much credit, but for me, that's what it does. And I love it and for it, that. And it's got one of the best setup directed shot or comedic shots that we've watched of Lake Bell being there while Jake Johnson <laughs> and Greta Gerwig are having an intimate dinner and she's sitting on the couch with the plate as well. <laughs> um, that, that always gets me. Um, not to mention yes like that there was so many amazing things about the movie itself that were yes, so and, fucking well done and it's the introduction of you know elizabeth merriweather to the world and so on and so forth not All to right. mention you get jake uh not jake jack johnson no not jack jake johnson jake johnson yes my number three it may be on your top five. This isn't necessarily my number three, but the third movie on my in my top five. Eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Son of a bitch. Son How? of a bitch. How? How have we not How? talked about this already in our goddamn episode? The Redding Gates. Get the fuck the out of here! Date. Get the fuck out of here, Rotten Tomatoes. This is your wedding date. You're on our time now. You're on our time now. This is our hundredth episode. We get the shit all over your ratings. Fuck each and every one of you critics. Each and every gave it one. one. I gave it a bad review. Fuck you guys as a staff, record label, and crew. Fuck it and all. Anyone who rolls with them. Fuck you too. Fuck all it. right. <laughs> you don't know shit.
Yeah. Don't know shit. Jared Messing and Dermot Mulroney are fucking fantastic together. Somehow in a movie that's only 80 goddamn minutes long, there's like 60 minutes of scenes that I remember have like been burned to memory. I will never forget the way he feels her up by the car. Oh. <laughs> like I'll, I'll never oh. forget, never forget that they bang in a boat. There's a Maroon Five <laughs> song in a boat. <laughs> like, um, and it's just, it's all, it's all good shit. It's all good shit. What about his, his, his advice to the groom to be? If you know her shit and she knows yours, and at the end of the day, you'd still rather give up than try, then nothing is ever going to be worth it. it that's I, that's A plus content right there. I like you're goddamn right. I, I th- that line is a is really fucking long, and I know it verbatim because it's that good of a fucking line. And paired, that's out of context too. Put it back in the visual context of. Maroney's actual delivery of it, where he is mm-hmm. actually his expression changes mid delivery. Because like he's sitting in the passenger seat and he's just trying to figure out a way to explain to Ed that like it just you should go back. And, and he is starting the moment that he applies the advice that he's giving to this dude, he but, applies it to his own situation. And he pa- you and he see also, it in his face, and the way he pauses too, where he goes. At the end of the day, I mean, if you know her shit and she knows yours, and at the end of the day, you'd still rather give up than try. Then nothing's ever going to be worth it. It's the pauses too. The, the pauses. pauses. Derek Mulroney can fucking act, all right? Don't, if he don't can, if he can make us simultaneously fucking love him in this movie. And absolutely goddamn despise him in, um, I'm already forgetting what the fuck the title of it is. My Best Friend's Wedding? Yes. Yeah. The one that we shit all over. (laughs) I mean, not necessarily shit. It's like, I fucked the movie even though. But yeah, his character does suck in that movie. (laughs) No, 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 no. There was another one, wasn't, we've seen three of his. I don't think so. I thought we had. Anyway. Anyway. But, but the point, point being, he's obviously a capable actor in that respect. Yes. So, the wedding day. That's my that's third my best friend's life. wedding. That's the movie I, I we we're talking about. No. I, no, that's I. You said the other movie that he's the fuckboy in, and that that was my best friend's wedding. That's the one. Didn't you? Didn't you just put that on your your? I I put the wedding date on my best friend's wedding no, is the no, other no. movie. You're in the previous part of the episode. Didn't you just put my best friend's wedding on the shit list, or you put it as an honorable no. mention? No. That was I talked about that as we had an interesting conversation oh, about that movie. Oh, 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 maybe I'm just personally remembering how much I hated him in that. Never mind. I mean, he his character does suck at times in that movie, but at the same time, like all three characters are not redeemable in that movie. It, it, him, yeah. Cameron Diaz, and Julia Roberts. There's a lot I, of the yeah. only character yeah. that was redeemable was George Rupert Everett. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but at the same time. 
it was still written interestingly enough to where you like wanted to keep watching, even though right. it was like watching a train wreck. Anyway, nonetheless, that's not what we're talking about. What's your third movie out of your five? Uh, third movie. Third movie is going to be. Okay. Now we're getting into, we're getting into the max lion rom-coms here. <laughs> Yeah. These are going to be surprising. Number three is one that you will not agree with, but is near and dear to my heart. For reasons, for a lot of reasons, many of which I still can't even really articulate, but nevertheless, the movie is Warm Bodies. God. Dude, I, I knew almost, you would fucking react that way. <laughs> I almost will mention that for my least favorite movies. I know. I know you did. And I have been nice. I have been fucking polite not to include Notting Hill in any of my bullshit. But you know it's goddamn up there. I still fucking hate it to this day. I don't give a shit if two of my favorite actors of all time are in it. I still fucking hate that film. Anyway... I feel like this is what Warm Bodies does to you. So I just have to say we also did watch it during the Halloween season during an actual pandemic, so it had added significance when I rewatched it. It's not it's not that. I just I just don't fuck with zombie films. Zombie films are just I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. I think zombie yeah. films are stupid. Yeah, that's why I like Shot of the Dead because Shot of the Dead makes fun of zombie films while still being a zombie film. But I feel like this one also kind of did in a way. It 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 obviously tried to duplicate a reality where zombies existed, but it did it in a comedic enough way that I felt like it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously. And that's made evidence, or that's that's made evident by one of the best supporting roles of all fucking time in Rob Corddry. Rob Corddry is the only saving grace of that film, which is why I didn't include it in my bottom five. I mean, Rob Corddry is still one of the more entertaining parts of any fucking supporting roles we've ever goddamn seen. I mean, what happens in Vegas? He's the star. Fantastic supporting actor. Agreed. And it's no exception in this film. Um, I, beyond that, I could take or leave Teresa Palmer as the lead. Uh, I didn't, I, I mean, she was cool, but I feel like, you know, it could have been played by a lot of other people too. Um, I just, to me, I at least liked, I liked that it was set in a more fantastical setting, kind of like the princess bride where it's just more of like, it's a suspension of disbelief for two hours. And mm -hmm. it allowed me to focus a little bit more on a, a, a more comedic, you know, rom com -y love story that was boiled down to the pure ideals of 
uh, of partnership beyond all other hurdles. It broke all of the, the boundaries that it needed to in order to be still be a partnership. And in this, can I, in this scenario, just like a lot of other movies, they had to overcome something. And in this scenario, it was, you know, the zombie apocalypse. But regardless, okay. that's why I made my top five. All right. <clears throat> well, my number four, or the fourth no, film number... that I'm adding. Yeah. Yeah. The fourth film that I'm adding to mine is probably no surprise. We've mentioned it many times since we've watched it. Uh, watched it a couple more times since. It's the OG for a reason. It's always brought up by everyone for a reason. When Harry met Sally. Oh, yeah. That's my number four, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like We've talked about it since. We, that was our fourth episode I don't think we've ever not mentioned it when we talk about high quality rom-coms. Mm-hmm. It is the cliche talked about rom-com when people talk about rom-coms for a reason, because it does everything. It either did it first or did it right. Yeah. And that's it. It, it captured a lot of the things that both you and I do share similar beliefs in when it comes to rom-coms, when it ter- comes to love, when it comes to relationships of, of all kind, platonic and, and romantic. Yes. I it, mean, it, it encapsulates it a lot of that. It even, it even has, handles friendship. Well, that, that's what I mean. Like it, 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 but, it handles a lot of different that, aspects of life, of reality. And not only like friendship between you and your like like same sex like best friend, but also friendship between the opposite sex. Yes, I think that might actually be one of the primary reasons it is a good rom com. Why it's exactly. so successful? Why it's so revered? Yeah, because it actually shows the reality of when you're in a committed relationship of any kind. It involves friendship. Yeah, a relationship of any kind, professional, platonic, romantic, you fucking name it. At some level, there is a real transfer of emotion between two individuals. That's real friendship. Yeah, you have to have that in order to develop a real relationship of any kind. Including yeah. romantic. That's a stereotype for a reason. Yes. So, the, both of us, that's, our, that's the fourth movie in our fives. So, we'll go to my fifth movie. It's a slight upset, maybe. Um, honorable mention to my Christmas traditions. Love, actually, and the holiday. Honorable mention to them. Dude. But neither of them are in my five. I feel it. I feel it. Um, you know, honorable mention to some of the Netflix ones that I enjoyed. Uh, mm. Set it up. The perfect mm. date. The mm. to all the boys series. Um, shout out to Palm Springs. That's always been a, that's been a thought provoking movie ever since I've seen it. But uh, you know, didn't quite do it. Um, you know, there's. 
a lot of movies that we've watched that I've enjoyed. Shout out to Roman Holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which has maybe the best ending of a movie that we've watched. Mm. Certainly the most well-directed, most well-written, most like complex emotionally and on every other level. Yeah. But, you know, we we crapped on her. I crapped on her movie at, in the last part. And she's, she had a my least favorite movie of, of all the movies we've watched so far. She has now one in my top five as well. I am choosing Sabrina as my fifth movie. Ooh, uh, Love Sabrina. Love Sabrina. It's such a fun movie. I love Humphrey Bogart. He's my favorite actor of all time. Is he? I love Audrey Hepburn in this film. She's fantastic. The whole, you know, just the way that Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn fall in love with each other throughout the film the scenes that they share in the boardroom in the second half of the film, like the chemistry between them really builds. Mm. Um, even though it's oh, a little melodramatic funny. and like they, you can see their walls come down it's, throughout the film. It's obvious. The growing, the growing vulnerabilities is what really showcases. You get past the age difference in between them when you see their vulnerabilities start you know, progressing. And also you think about that at at that time, you know, there was no such thing as like an age. If they were, if she was 18, she was legal. Uh, (laughs) I was unfortunately now. But nonetheless, Sabrina is in my five. I like it. That's a, that's a solid choice. I like that. It's a unique choice. And that's what this is all about. Yep. And you're fifth. Well, I, I, this has been tough. I, I went through this list of 99 multiple times this week and was trying to really whittle it down to five. And um, and this one was not an easy choice. I'd like to, I mean, shout out to like, you know, as I already mentioned, Wimbledon. That was a surprisingly good fucking movie in a lot of ways. Like on multiple levels multiple emotional levels it's actually a good rom-com um i mean wedding crashers of course Mm -hmm. and god love actually god damn it as much as i would love to throw it back on the top five as it always has been it's just it's it's on everybody's top five it's yeah it's it's a it's the top holiday rom-com. Yeah, it's the top it's, holiday we all know movie. that. We all know that. But, yeah, like, but that's something else I've learned from this podcast is that there's better rom-coms than Love Actually. So Love Actually just gets its own place. It gets <sighs> yeah, in the world. It does. You know? You're right. You're right. You're right. We already we, had, we covered it with a fucking special episode. A drinking exactly. game. A drinking game. Yes, exactly. Go back to that. Yeah. If you want some Christmas cheer in your life, we yeah. did that last Christmas. You want that on my top on our top fives? Go back to the fucking episode. All right. We're not gonna waste the top five <laughs> spot with that. Uh, shout out to Forgetting Sarah Marshall, which is a fantastic fucking movie <laughs> and funny as fuck. But you know, you look like you got some pain behind those eyes. There's <laughs> really only one cure for that. We. You got it. I do. 
Yeah, you do. Shout out to uh, Valentine's Day that as much as I love to hate it, <laughs> I also love to love it for all the hallmarky reasons that you love to love movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might surprise you. I couldn't pull the trigger on this one. But shout out to a movie that didn't make the top five. For me, anyway. I know it would surprise you. Ten Things I Hate About You. I know how much you hated that. I See, I thought that was going to be your choice instead of Warm Bodies. I know you did. I know you did. Shout out to that fucking movie. I love that shit out of that movie. I know Renee fucking hates it. <laughs> I fucking love it. I could. I still couldn't pull the trigger. Number five is actually going to be a movie you already mentioned as a shout out. Um, I'll give you a hint. What's the other genre that you would probably associate with me? Genre of anything, movie, anything. Broad genre. Oh, sci-fi. Palm Springs. Palm fucking Springs. Yeah. It's a, we when you had, combine sci-fi and rom-com together, man. That's right up your alley. And All we day. had quite the conversation with that film. I, I, it, only because I knew I was going to put it in my top five did I avoid talking about it in the first part of this episode. Did I avoid talking about it when we when we were talking about the the segment of of good talks that we had about episodes? I yeah. loved our episode about Palm Springs. Fucking everyone should, loved our conversation. That's one of our best episodes, honestly, uh, because the movies of of high quality and the conversation is of high quality because it has a perfect amount of talking about the romance of the film and also talking about the sci fi like conspiracy theories and like. <laughs> And the different timelines and how they all could interact and theories about how everything happens. Everything. So like it's just the it's the perfect mix of everything, I think. It really is. And and it's a good one. I, I enjoy it. Well, I'm glad you feel similarly at least about the episode, because I think that plays into my bias that we had a yeah. very good episode about it, a very good talk about it. The movie itself provided a lot of levels to discuss. Emotional, mm-hmm. metaphysical, scientific, paranormal, all of it. Like it was just everything, mm-hmm. all these different levels. It was nuts, but it was subtle enough that it was like, it was digestible and it was all presented by fucking Andy Samberg. Like, yep. <laughs> and, um, the mother from how I met your mother, <laughs> Kristen Milioti. Kristen Milioti. Yep. So. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fantastic choice there. Um, if I were to list mine, we're gonna have to rank these, aren't they? Aren't we? Well, uh, you don't have to. I will for mine. All right, all right. Let's hear. It. Um, let's hear. It. My number five will be Sabrina. Okay. Okay. Uh, my number four will be. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. 
Hey, say it with go, say it with honor. Come on. I'm a good number four is the wedding date. You said it number a bitch three is taking this shit back. <laughs> never because number three is sleeping with other people. That don't was a don't real listen decision. to me. I didn't even put wedding date on well, my list. <laughs> I know. Well, there's a there's a real decision there because the wedding date I've known for longer because it came out before, it came out in, back in 05. But sleeping with other people, I just feel I, I like that quality of film. It, it has a lot more depth than the wedding date, but the wedding date's still fantastic. Anyway, number two. I mean, it is, yeah. Number two is Dan in real life. It's always been number two in all my decisions. Wait, what was number uh, three? As far as favorite films. Uh, number three is sleeping with other people. Oh, okay. Number two is Dan in real life. And number one is when Harry met Sally. I mean, that's really fair. Cause it's like when Harry met Sally, like I've only seen it a few times. Like I don't go back and watch movies yeah. all the time. So like I've only seen it like because the like the first time I fully saw because I'd seen bits of it but the first time I fully saw it front to back is when we watched it for the podcast and it Dang. immediately jumped to the top of the list because it was like oh that's all the parts together that I've seen and heard about that's what everyone has talked about from Jump Street this is everything we've ever like everything that rom coms are supposed to be and so. It doesn't have the same emotional effect that some of these other films have because I haven't spent as much time of my life with it. But when I think of the quality of that film mm -hmm. mixed with the enjoyment I've had each time I've watched it, mm -hmm. that puts it at number one. So... <sighs> As I mentioned, it's up to you if you want to list yours. You don't have to. I'm hesitant to give a number one. That's what's holding me back. Like I, I was I'm, about to say, or you just give a number one and then not rank the others. But no, actually, like I can, I can rank the others if it means none of them are the best. That's what's that's what's tripping me up is actually giving a title to the best of what I've seen through 99 episodes. Well, let's be honest. You're not choosing Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies is your number five. Uh, Warm Bodies is not my number five. Wow. Wait a minute. Well, okay, yeah, no, Warm Bodies is my number five. Yeah, it is. Just Friends is number four. <laughs> Palm Springs is, no. Yeah, Palm Springs is number three. Um, no Strings Attached is number two. Because no strings attached, still fucking it. It gets me on levels. It gets you on levels. Yes, it's a it's a more sexually explicit modern when Harry met Sally. But, but it does a Harry good job of getting past what I feel the, like the sex part of it. Friends with Benefits didn't get past. Yes, which was the sexual and aspect of the benefits. relationship. Yeah, everyone thinks the Friends with Benefits is better, and it's like, no, it's not. Yeah, I, I okay, you, thank you. I've heard that from so many people. They're like, you did a fucking, you, you said No Strings Attached is better than Friends with Benefits? Yes, because it is. Because it is. Like, no offense to Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. We know we love them, especially Mila Kunis. Fucking yeah. Sarah Marshall, forgetting Sarah Marshall? Are you kidding me? But, like, 
And Fred's Friends with Benefits, that movie was weird. It was, it was weird. the whole the like his dad having like Alzheimer's or whatever the hell, that whole part. A lot like, of it just seemed forced. Yeah. It, all of a sudden there's like this dramatic part in the middle and like that was somehow what caused the rift between them yeah. and so forth. And it's like, you know, what makes a lot more sense is having a set of friends with benefits situation where you're having sex and someone wanting it to go further and the other person saying no, because that is a very, 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 very common situation out of a friends with benefits relationship. And then, yes. basically, the person who was denied, basically, like, being so hurt, and, like, I can't do, like, and when, or the person who denied him, realizing their mistake, having to go back, and then the other person be like, don't come here unless you, like, are for real, for real. And that's what, I, basically, I'm paraphrasing the Ashen Kutcher's line, which I know you love. And then they actually get together, and then they show up at that reception, and, and kind of a, but at the same time, when they show up at the reception, the ending is not like necessarily completely black and white. They're holding hands kind of like a, well, here goes nothing. Exactly. It's not a guarantee that they end up together. Exactly. I, I think they do. So fuck anyone who thinks Fresno Benefits, who ends their goddamn film singing Closing Time. Like, oh, fuck, fuck anyone off. who thinks that, that is better than No Strings Attached. Kiss my ass with all that. And that's what I think. Anyway. Fuck yes. Preach that shit. But, and, but with all that said, when Harry Met Sally's number one. So. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> yes. I, again, to uh, exactly what you said, I, I don't think I had seen it beginning to end since, uh, like, before our podcast. I, I don't think I'd yeah. ever seen the whole thing. And then we watched it, and what breakfast at Tiffany's should have been when Harry met Sally was where it actually lived up to the hype that I'd heard for years. Yes. And I went, Oh my God, I get it. I actually kind of get it. I, it, I don't like when Harry met Sally is one of the movies that out of this whole list, that's why I was reluctant to choose a number one. I can choose two through five perfectly because they are movies that relate to me movies that I personally love and enjoy for my own personal reasons. And number one, I'm reluctant to assign a title to, but when Harry met Sally is one of those movies that kind of falls into that category because it's like, I don't need to necessarily personally love it and enjoy it as a movie, as a rom-com to still appreciate everything about it. To still relate to a lot of the stuff in there to understand that so much of that dynamic between Meg Ryan and, Oh dear God. I just blanked on his fucking name. Billy crystal, Billy goddamn crystal, dude. I am so sorry. I love you, Billy crystal. Like if you ever (laughs) one day tune into this, I love you, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. It's a bottle and a half of wine that did it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but that dynamic is real. Like, there's so much of that on screen that is able to capture and portray real, actual tension, 
emotion and and just real life fucking stupidity and awkwardness and raw normality that yes on a rom-com screen isn't always the prettiest and isn't always the best to watch or the most comfortable to watch or or the most glamorous or whatever so it's going to be tough for anyone to actually admit that it's number one but it's the kind of shit you actually need to see because it's real there you go it's real just like this podcast and we've made it through a hundred episodes and two parts of this hundredth episode spectacular so we appreciate each and every one of you for sticking around. You can find our socials uh, on Instagram at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all one word together. And you can find our Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. And that's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. You can find me on Twitter at Supermarket Sweep without the E in Super. So that's S U P R Market Sweep. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at Reluce88. And that's R E L U S A 88. And also have another podcast on Spotify only. Uh, it's called We Watched Our MTV. It's myself and my sister, Rebecca. We choose songs and and talk about them. And it's a fantastic time. Man. And then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted, which is T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. There you go. And... Next week is the beginning of December. Usually we have holiday films, but we're kind of running out of holiday rom-coms. So the first episode is not necessarily going to be a holiday one, but it is set in the winter and snowy and cold. I mean, that's fair. It's the first one after Thanksgiving. Because it's my choice of a film. Um, And so I feel like it works-ish, even though... The subject matter may be a little racy for the holidays because it's about making a porno. Is it, it's is Zach it, and Miri make a porno. Say, is it, does it involve two individuals by the name of Zach and Miri? It does. So Zach and Miri make a porno is my choice for rom-com. We're going to kick off the 101st episode with a literal bang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but until then, to the tens and tens of listeners, we usually say we love y'all and we thank y'all, but truly, truly, we do love you all. And we thank you all for listening to our episodes, for humoring us and listening to our opinions on these rom-coms. As I said at the very beginning of the first part in my rumination that you know life is full of choices and you've chosen to spend your time with us and we truly do appreciate it and thank you for it and max do you have anything else you'd like to add uh it's been two years of this shit (laughs) (laughs) it's been two years of this shit Uh... sign off (laughs) 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 oh my god it's been two years of this shit um uh i always sign off by saying i love you guys and 
Um, I I say that because I say that because there's not enough love in the world. There never is, and it's the whole reason that we love rom coms is because they portray a, a a side of humanity that is that I feel like is the most fundamental of all. And it's love in all of its forms. And um, for all of, for everyone that is tuned in to any episodes, one or a hundred and anywhere in between, it's been a pleasure. And this is part of the reason why we do this. I know we started this under the guise that we needed therapy, but but it's been, it's been in so many levels. It's allowed Renee, you and I to actually communicate and connect during a fucking pandemic. Yeah. It's, it's allowed um, us to, to voice things that we probably wouldn't have talked about with anyone else in any other circumstance. Mm And and I hope that anyone who has ever tuned into any of these has has felt at least some ripple effect from those talks. That's all I can hope for. And that's with from the bottom of my heart. I really do love you guys. And I hope you spread that love. And I second that emotion for sure. So until next week, when we talk about Make it a porno. <laughs> and on that note, let's dive right in to 101 episodes. <laughs> to the 101st episode about people begging and falling in love while begging. <laughs> Until then, <laughs> have a great week, y'all. Love you guys.